This is the Blue Cloud Podcast, empowering the entrepreneurial lifestyle with insights on the leading trends in the mobile and digital landscape, turning ideas to empires. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Blue Cloud fans and lovers. I am coming to you right now from La Jolla, California, which is in San Diego. It's a beautiful day today. Waves are huge. And I'm very excited to bring you this podcast. Today, I am going to interview John Georger. Okay, John is one of my really good friends. I met him years ago. He was living with one of my best friends from college in Aspen, Colorado. And we've stayed in touch ever since. And what's really interesting about John and his story is that it parallels a lot of what I went through in the post-college years. And it's always cool to hear about people that took a, a different path, but they have a lot of shared experiences. And I think you can learn a lot from talking and connecting with people like that. After living in Aspen, John got really interested in not only the internet marketing world, but in the entrepreneur world. And he left to go found Black Dog Marketing, which is a, I guess it's like, it's like a performance and digital marketing company. They're based out of Golden and Denver, Colorado. And they build and deploy forward-thinking web and app platforms. They were huge on the Facebook app canvas platform. They've done a lot with mobile. They've done a lot with web. They're an all-encompassing digital agency that just does really, really terrific and creative work for really cool companies. Uh, They're focused on performance marketing and have an interest in behavioral analytics. Um, John is also just a really great guy. I mean, the dude is skiing all the time. He has a business partner. He's a new dad. He's got more positive energy and excitement than almost anyone I know uh, that's in the mountain world and still manages to be an entrepreneur. So it's really, really cool. And one of the big topics we talk about today is Snow Crew, which is an app that he helped build to up to 100,000 active users. Snow Crew is a ski tracking app. And it's a really good example of someone who was living a lifestyle, saw a demand for something, and just went after it and really made it happen. And we, we talk a lot about some of the insights and repeatable actions that anyone could do. If, if you have a passion or if you have something you're really interested in, you can create a market for it. With that, uh, I want you guys to meet John. It was uh, it was a real pleasure talking to him. And like I said, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Uh, we talk a lot about the internet marketing world. We talk a lot about his story in the internet marketing world. And then we talk a lot, 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 lot about the app business and uh, how to market to an app that's not your traditional game. Incidentally, John met uh, Jake the Snake Roberts at a Buffalo airport when he was 12. But the snake was not with him, which is you know, deeply tragic. You just, we want to put that in just to make sure everyone knows the kind of kind of person we're dealing with here. With that, I will introduce you, John George. Learn, implement, succeed. The Blue Cloud Podcast with Carter Thomas. All right, John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I was just, we were just catching up and... Uh, you you responded to uh, an email blast that I wrote out asking people if they knew anybody that should get on the podcast, and uh, it's super cool. I was just saying that sometimes you just forget to go through your own contact list, and you've got you've got a great story, you've got a lot of great experience. So I'm super stoked about this. I think it's going to be 
you're gonna we're gonna have a lot of great info for the listeners out there. So we first met. Uh, just a little backstory for anyone out there listening. Through a mutual friend who uh, I would put on a very short list of all time dudes uh, named Spar, and you guys were were living together in Aspen. Is in it was a it was a blue house, right? Like over over kind of on the side there. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. We were uh, we were living out in a small ski cabin uh, in the east side of town. Uh, Spar and I connected through yeah through through kind of a, a friend of a friend um, and, and really just kind of you know hit it off from day one. Um, yeah, and we spent we spent a pretty good pretty good career uh, you know skiing a lot, um, definitely working a little bit, um, but really you know, trying to trying to maximize our time in a pretty awesome place like Aspen. Yeah, Aspen is a it's a unique place. You know, I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about Aspen in relation to other ski towns and what Aspen has going for it in so many words is that it, it attracts uh, a whole the whole gamut of people you know you can get the the guys who want to ski all the time but you also get a lot of international people you get a lot of socio socioeconomic spectrum but it's kind of this microcosm in the middle of the country that you know it allows for uh, a certain echelon of intellectualism to to come into a, a ski town, which is pretty cool. Totally, yeah. It's it's definitely an, an interesting meld of um, you know, like you said, that the socioeconomic differences. It, it, it just it spans a range of of folks that are there for so many different reasons and different passions. Um, but what it also does, it does bring you know a, a different sense towards uh, towards enterprise and a different sense towards business, um, whether it's at the incubator level and or the investment level or or really at the entrepreneurship level. Um, and that's why I think. You know, during my my ten or so years living there, um, my biggest takeaway was that you know there's there's no shortage of amazing people to connect with, and and oftentimes you'll meet someone on the chairlift that just has has done what you're trying to accomplish, or or definitely has, you know, has seen that playbook before, um, or you know there's there's just you know a plethora of, of other people who are who are truly trying to start something from the ground up, and I think this kind of our generation um, in the Aspen area is definitely pushing. Hard right now to to develop a culture, to develop a, a community around uh, technology-based companies and 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 a mentality towards this this kind of culture that's you know clearly is being kind of shared across East and West Coast at this point. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like uh, Mike, I think he 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 was in Aspen for a little bit, and then now he's you know killing it over at Twitter. So it's it, it can be kind of a a cool place to be for a few years, go somewhere else, maybe come back, maybe not. But like you said, that you just never know. Everyone has a story and everyone can have a, a very meaningful story if you if you just start the conversation. Yeah, totally. When you were there, and correct me if I'm wrong, were you were you working with, uh, at Gorsuch or were you were you somewhere else? Yeah, so I was somewhere else. I was, um, you know, I, I stumbled on Carbondale, which is about 30 miles um, Northwest of Aspen, um, in the same valley, uh, right out of college, uh, took an internship at Climbing Magazine, which was a really cool little operation at the time. Um, and and as I was kind of taking this this position, this internship, um, one of the you know, projects that was thrown on my desk was to you know manage the website. And at the time, 2006, Climbing.com, pretty 
pretty well-known, pretty premium domain. Um, you know, we were seeing a lot of traffic, but there was absolutely no sense or no thought towards towards structuring a an ad plan or an ad operation. Um, there was really little structure as to you know what the content uh, would become, and so that was kind of I think like my kickoff into the digital space as as really kind of being someone who who really took a took an attention towards digital and web while I was in college with some small websites, uh, but then kind of seeing it hands on at kind of a, a larger business um, level was was at climbing. Um, climbing was unfortunately sold and, and quickly moved out of town um, right around that that same year. Um, and then there was a, a internet marketing agency nearby that was looking for someone to take, uh, maybe take a little bit of a lead with their SEO and pay-per-click division. Uh, and so I kind of fell into that role pretty quickly soon after um, and spent about three years, maybe more, working um, just hands-on managing, you know, I think around 90 or so pay-per-click and SEO accounts. Um, and, and these are kind of like the small mom and pop shop um, to kind of a more medium-sized real estate type of uh, type of agency. And so just trying new things at the time, SEO was obviously kind of a wild west in terms of what was working. And, and uh, it was definitely a very formative, formidable time in my career as, as learning kind of the, the, you know, from the ground up, what, what, is needed. What strategy? What kind of level of thinking is required to to have a successful online campaign? Um, to you know deploy a strategy that would ultimately kind of reap the rewards of, of what you were looking for. Um, and so that was you know kind of my path to to Aspen in regards to like you know, maintaining a sustainable uh, lifestyle, having a job, um, but also kind of you know, finding a lot of time to get out in the mountains and, and play. Um, so yeah, I think by the time you and I crossed paths, I was either still doing the internet marketing thing or I maybe have had moved on to a uh, more kind of broad PR and marketing agency where I was um, you know, given some, some responsibility over digital media um, buying and planning as well as kind of seeing the the social media rollout across um, a handful of brands that were all very well established in the outdoor industry at the time. Yeah, right on. And you you mentioned how much you were learning at the at the internet marketing company after climbing. How uh, were you learning from somebody? Was there was did you have a manager who was helping you out, or was this a lot of self taught stuff? You know, definitely a lot of self-taught. You know, there was a, there was a manager in the position that was you know kind of overseeing a lot of what we were doing, but um, it was definitely a lot of kind of you know self-starter culture over there, where you know it was uh, it was a lot of responsibility given out to to the department, um, and and as a result, you know, it was kind of up to me as to decide, you know, is it worth going to PubCon? Okay, what what can I bring back from PubCon that would be a game changer for some of our clients and some of those campaigns, and um, and then just start to build a network of, you know, of like other SEOs in Denver and other other folks in the industry that um, were, were really responsive. And I think at the time, you know, 2006, SEO, again, being somewhat of a, of a bit of a exciting time um, in internet marketing, um, you know, folks were just really open and really, you know, willing to, to collaborate and to share tips and to share strategy. Um, and I think that's changed a little bit um, just because it's become kind of little bit more dominated by the larger publishers and you know content is just so widely widely shared across the web now but but at the time you know it was a lot of just like self-taught trial and error bringing bringing information back from from conference or from a meeting in denver and and then seeing what was working um so all that was was really exciting and, and at the time you know google analytics was just rolling out around 2006 2007 and they had you know they had bought um the previous platform um and as that, that 
analytics platform was, was rolling out, we did partner with a mentor um, out of Seattle, Caleb Whitmore, who, who runs a, a firm called Asian, uh, Analytics Pros. And Caleb is, you know, by far the, the analytics ninja of, of, of if there is one. Um, and uh, he, he and I, you know, connected um, well, and, and he was someone that could really kind of guide me through the GA back end, um, as well as kind of the, the kind of the configurations that were that were best practice, but were not widely known at the time. Um, documentation for GA when it first rolled out was was pretty slim. So um, a lot of those kind of custom configs that that are you know best best practice today um, were were a little bit of a you know challenge to to nail down when it first released, um, and so my gravitation towards GA became pretty significant and really started to you know invest more of my time, my free time, just understanding the analytics side of things, really looking at it from the marketing perspective, um, and starting to see just tons of opportunity in, in terms of you know how how marketers uh, can use these tools and this data, um, how this data can influence consumption, how it can influence performance, um, and and all that has kind of been like the bedrock of my career as as to where we are now at Black Dog. Yeah, it's it's amazing to hear to to do a throwback to those those days. I got into in that startup internet marketing world uh, in 2008. And it's, like you said, it was just nobody really had any idea what was going on, but everyone kind of kind of thought they did. And looking back, it was just, it was really exciting, but it was all, it's also hilarious to think about how fast it's changed and also how many parallels there are uh, with the app business. And that's why I love talking about internet marketing between the years of 2006 and 2010, because I think we're looking at the App Store, at least the blue cloud community is looking at the App Store, wondering, well, what's going to happen now? You know, the rules are changing, the the marketing methods are changing, monetization, and uh, there's so much to learn about the parallels. And when I was, uh, let's see, when I, when I first met you, uh, I was visiting Spar, I believe it was right around when you were thinking about starting your own your own gig. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. That's, uh, yeah, that kind of puts us right in around 2010, 2011. Um, and so, yeah, I had, uh, I had, I had run the, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd done some work, um, at the agency level. And, and I think, you know, the, the sense towards, you know, internet marketing, it, it, it does drive the, the it, it, it kind of, it pulls the entrepreneur out of all of us, I think, once you start internet marketing in, in, in any capacity. Just, I think you start to realize the opportunity of, 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 of monetization, you see the opportunity of, of growth, you see um, good ideas deployed daily. Um, so that, that as we started um, kind of thinking around what a company would look like, um, I was I was running social media strategy and, and operation for, for, like I said, a handful of brands in the outdoor industry. Um, we're talking like the black diamonds of the world. And at the time we were rolling out um, Facebook applications. So we were, we were kind of building these Facebook applications as a way to really like maximize audience growth and, and you know, find ways for them to, to just grow audience through likes and through share and through commenting and just general engagement across Facebook. Um, and that was, you know, 
going really well. Um, that was, you know, I think there was a moment there uh, where Facebook was was an opportunity that was low hanging fruit for any any brand that that had an audience that was willing to engage with. Um, and so these apps were everything from sweepstakes based to to photo and video gallery to com- you know really like interactive mapping. I mean, just anything that would get people to to go through a like gate and and really start to spend time within within the brand experience. Um, and so these apps were they were crushing it absolutely. You know, we were seeing sixteen to twenty thousand new likes daily. Um, across some of these apps and and here we are thinking okay that that was just some that was a pretty basic html and and uh, and you know we can roll this out again and and we started to kind of build out a little bit of a product base for for applications uh, across social um, and that's kind of what started Black Dog was was really just building out this these these social media experiences that were more interactive than than what Facebook was giving us at the time, um, and that's you know it's kind of how we got to be where we are now. Now today's day, the, the Facebook you know landscape is is so different, and and the that that kind of sweepstakes application model, if you will, it just doesn't really move the needle like it used to. Um, but you know that's still kind of part of where we are, and, and definitely you know it's, it's kind of part of our story. Yeah, it, I think in any service business, or at least in the internet marketing service business, you know, you start with any sort of particular niche, whether it be a category niche or or a, a deliverable niche, and then as the as the platforms evolve, you evolve with them, and you just it just becomes like a client relationship game at that point, and you just need that one hook. And I remember I remember I remember being there, and you were talking. I don't know if it was Black Diamond or, or one of the clients you guys were working on, and you had just built some quiz and you're like, I don't even know how, like, this is insane. It's just, we're getting like a hundred thousand likes on this, on this Facebook page. And it was, it was great. It was like the, the heyday of Facebook, like viral Nova, the clickbait articles going everywhere and Facebook apps. It was awesome. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and at the time we were looking at it as like, you know, purely as a, as a traffic generating tool. Uh, the client, I think at the time wasn't sh- totally sure as to what we were pitching them with. Um, you know, and I give I give them a lot of credit that they that they made that you know that they gave us that trust that okay you, know, you guys seem like you know what you're talking about here but you know it was weird at the time you know a lot of the boardroom conversation uh, at the C level was how many Facebook fans do we have okay what's next um, and so there was like this vanity metric that was just being used to to gauge success um, and so to to launch an app that would drive you know. 20,000 daily new likes was was kind of an easy win. Um, but we saw it as like, not only did we just drive likes, but we just drove, you know, 40,000 backlinks to this domain through the sweepstakes that just got picked up by, you know, every, you know, all of these other uh, sweepstake websites that are just, you know, crawling the site looking for free stuff. Um, so we started using these apps as like just giant backlink tools. Um, and then that turned into giant traffic generating tools. Um, so there, there was kind of a quick evolution too, as we realized, you know, looking at the data that these, these apps, they're not just these standalone, you know, engagement tools, but they really became kind of a, a linchpin to, you know, uh, an elevate or a, a lift in, 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 in an SEO strategy that, that wasn't really part of the conversation to begin with. But, but we kind of took that as, as definitely a, you know, a positive towards towards the model, and then you know we're able to kind of work that into a larger SEO or a larger acquisition strategy uh, for a client. So, mm. yeah, that's an interesting take of 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 creating a product or you know a, whatever you want to call it, the app, uh, not as a be all end all of the project, but as a stepping stone into something much more powerful. And 
I think there's a lot of lot to be said about that in the coming years for for mobile apps, which we'll get into a little bit. But one one thing, uh, when you so you were at the I guess the PR company and you were ready to move over and start Black Dog Media, and you had a person you were working with on the side or a partner, and it, it was a EJ. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, EJ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we went and, to college together. Okay. And so you, when you left, you you decided to partner with EJ. And the reason I ask about this is because I would say 80% of the people in the app business, uh, especially in the Blue Cloud community, when they either leave a job or when they get into apps or even digital marketing to that, they go in by themselves. Like they go in as an individual. They try to figure out everything as much as they can on their own. And the, you know, quote unquote partnerships are now becoming these communities, these online communities. It's less about the in-person partnership to partner with EJ when you went to go start Black Dog. So, like I said, EJ and I had some, you know, history. We knew each other really well in college, um, and and we had kind of both made our made our arrival in Colorado different times to different places, you know, under different circumstances. And and so, um, you know, we we were in touch frequently. And I think at one point, you know, I talked to him about what what he was working on. Um, outside of his job, which was, I think he was doing sales and marketing at a, uh, I can't remember now what he was doing, but exactly the, the, the company. But at the time, you know, he was saying, oh, I'm, I'm learning HTML. I'm taking some courses um, at the, you know, taking some night classes at DU. Um, you know, what do you got in mind? And I was like, you know, this is interesting that we're building some apps. Um, why, why don't we try to, you know, work together on something? And so we started kind of pulling some projects together. Um, for some of these social apps and, and, you know, I think just w- when you look at, a, you know, looking back on it, you know, I, I don't really think we had the the insight or, uh, or like the, the intent to really consider, you know, is this a, a partnership that's going to go a long distance or is this just a partnership that's going to, you know, start creating uh, some, some new projects and some new, and some, and some money for us uh, on these side projects. And, um, you know, to be honest, I think at the time it was probably more the latter where we were just look, you know, doing something fun on our, on our spare time, you know, after hours, moonlighting, doing some, you know, building apps, you know, launching campaigns and, and seeing what was working, um, to then, you know, fast forward about a year later, having the confidence to, to leave our day jobs and to start black dog full time and to take it to a much larger, uh, front end, back end website development and, uh, an app model. Um, so, you know, the, the attributes that that I see within EJ that are that are incredible as a business partner are are pretty much the exact opposites of my own, and I think that's so you know might sound cliche to, to say that you know your business partner you know his strengths should balance out your weaknesses, but but really it, it's what it comes down to, um, and and it's everything from you know technical aptitude to just the just the the vibe and the approach to. To how we hire and 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 how we onboard at Black Dog, um, and so there's so many so many unbelievable things that that EJ brings to the to the company um, that I would never be able to to accomplish on my own. Um, and I think you know it's 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 been fun just because we we've both been involved with this since you know since the earliest of of the idea of. Of, of running our own company, um, and at the time, you know, Black Dog wasn't really a thing. It was just a, uh, it was just an idea. You know, there was no real concept as to, you know, how are we going to scale? How are we going to, you know, structure our process from ideation to deployment? You know, there were there was none of that at the time, and and that's kind of I think the, the natural evolution with any any startup uh, or company um, that is, you know, 
built, built on you know, a common a common goal or a common vision. Um, and and it's been it's been a fun ride for sure. You know, we we kind of look at this and every once in a while we maybe we'll we'll try to. Take a moment and just kind of laugh about what's what's going on and where we are today and, and conversations that we're having that we never thought would be in our wheelhouse, um, you know, four or five years ago. Yeah, I, I think I think you 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 nailed it too. I, I get a lot of people who ask me about partnerships and how do you know about a good partnership or what who should you partner with? And I think it it always comes down to three to three core components, and it's you know the balance is different for everyone, but it's. The skill sets, like you talked about, complementary skill sets. I think the personality, making sure that you can just work with the person, or at least you can agree to disagree in a professional way. And then finally, I think one thing that a lot of people don't give a lot of credit to, which you guys seem to have, is you've got to have the same timing, both just in life, but with, with where you are in your career. I think that a lot of people get into partnerships where one person has one set of expectations and one person has a different set of expectations and measured by, well, how much do I have to lose if this doesn't work? You know, how, how, how much am I willing to put in to, to guarantee success? And I think by, by touching on all three of those or having that audit with yourself and with your partner before you dive in, that can make a huge difference over the, both for the success of the company, but just for your own sanity. Yeah, no, that's, that's spot on. I think, the, I think the expectation is, is such a huge piece in business. Um, you know, and we, we use that word a lot with clients in regards to, you know, setting expectation is so important to what we do when you're, you know, a client serving uh, agency. Um, but within your business partner, you having the expectation uh, of growth is, is so imperative to, you know, your, your agreement and your disagreement towards towards some of the simplest of things and some of the most challenging of things. And and EJ and I fortunately both have a very similar expectation in regards to growth and in regards to uh, our patience for growth. I think is also really really interesting. That um, you know I've been involved with other startups and I've I've launched and, and closed other businesses. Um, and, and I think oftentimes when I look back as to what what went wrong or what we didn't didn't vibe perfectly, it comes down to things like the, the, the ability to, to have patience, to see the long play, to see, you know, the the vision as to, you know, not being an overnight success. Um, we're not trying to turn and burn here. We are, you know, truly building on on a, on a foundation that that we've put a lot of a lot of time and a lot of energy towards. Um, and I think, you know, without having patience in business can get you into trouble, uh, can definitely get you into a position where you're making you're making moves or you make plays that are maybe a little bit outside your wheelhouse or maybe a little bit unneeded. Um, and so, you know, that's that's been awesome, you know, having the patience to see our growth move. And we obviously have some some benchmarks and some milestones that we're always working towards, um, you know, but, but here we are four years and. It was it was just EJ and I for about three and a half of those, and, and as of six months ago, we're now a team of five. Um, and so, you know, it, it's been fun to see us experience this little bit of a pop in growth um, just recently. It was what it feels like, um, but to say it, you know, it's it's an overnight thing would be would be laughable. It's been you know, it's been just patiently saving and patiently waiting for the time for us to make that move. Mm, yeah, I, I I think that that's that's really well put. I I always say that if there is one there's one gift I could give an entrepreneur, especially a young entrepreneur, it would be the mindset of expectation and the skill of patience because I think that like it those together just puts you on offense in almost every every part of your life and it's also some of the hardest things when you want something really bad or if money's tight or you know you feel like everything's 
going by 100 miles an hour and you're not keeping up with the speed of the market. And it's great to hear about that. And I think that's a good segue into where you guys are now. And I'd love to hear about what Black Dog is doing, you know, the kind of clients you're working with, but also how mobile apps fit into to your world. So uh, I'd say at, at our core, Black Dog is continues to be a, a website and a web app development agency um, with the peripheral of, of uh, marketing and, and specifically performance-based marketing. Um, we, we are working with clients throughout the actor industry, uh, throughout um, travel tourism, and, and kind of a sprinkling of, of certain nonprofit clients that kind of fit into those, those specific verticals as well. Um, we've been super fortunate to have relationships and networking with, uh, with, with athletes throughout the ski and snow industry, with celebrities throughout the industry, um, and just being able to kind of create some really fun and, and really just creative, interactive pieces that, 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 you know, has been noticed and has been acknowledged, um, from some of the design communities, um, is kind of all helping, you know, us, us continue to kind of build our, our vision towards what we think is, you know, the owned and operated model. And we talk a lot about, you know, the three pillars of media being the paid, earned and owned, um, and, and having experience within all three of those as a media buyer, um, as a social media, uh, strategist, and then as kind of a web development firm, uh, we, we continue to kind of come back to that idea that, you know, your website, your domain, or in, in your case, your app, um, it is the central housing unit for for your brand and for and for your your ability to create a more meaningful experience, and I think that's really important when you look at your content and when you look at what people are coming to consume or, or people are coming to to just truly uh, interact with, is to really focus in on that own model. Um, so Black Dog has taken a kind of a, a position within the the owned side as as being um, you know developing backend or front end solutions, um, as well as just allowing brands to to work within a, a more common platform like a WordPress, uh, giving them more custom opportunity, giving them more uh, more solutions to some of their complex problems, um, and then kind of giving them the platform that they can scale and grow with. Um, so as we're doing that, um, and as we're having a lot of success within that space, um, we are, you know, continuing to kind of rely on some of the marketing experience that we've grown and built with um, since my days as the SEO tech, um, to where we are now doing more real-time bidding, doing more programmatic type of marketing, um, and and that is kind of where we started to meet the app world. And, and specifically, we met uh, a brand called Snow Crew about three years ago, um, and and Snow Crew is. I mean, is it, do you want me to kind of go into Snow Crew now, or should we should we just kind of chill for a sec? Yeah, I think I, I think I would love to hear. I think Snow Crew is an amazing uh, case study. I think one thing that I would love to just dive into it for a minute is uh, the like the category you're in, right? Outdoor, the outdoor world, in my experience, and this is just from an outside perspective, is very cool. There's a lot of really great content. It's very lifestyle driven, but historically there's not a ton of money in it. And the money that is there is, is tied up with uh, like a, a pretty small amount of like very well-known brands like Red Bull, GoPro, you know, the, the top ski companies, whatever. And I think the reason I want to bring that up is in the app business, I think a lot of people, they assume that they can only be in categories where there's all, like everyone else is in. Specifically, you got to have a game app or you got to have an entertainment app or you got to have a lifestyle app. Uh, like, you know, wallpapers or something. And if you don't, the market just isn't big enough. And what I would like to ask you is, 
obviously this 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 dovetails into your own personal interest and passions but how have you guys carved out a a business in a niche that you know when you go if you went into a an internet marketing conference that category may or may not be dismissed as being too small do you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the category uh, of of outdoor is is at this point, you know, the category of a lot of cases e-commerce, um, and and that's I think been a big shift in in this in our space, um, is been the the brand's willingness to 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 launch their own e-commerce platform or to launch their own uh, a larger web web experience that you know, maybe 10 years ago or granted five years ago would have been looked at as competitive to their retail partners. Um, and so a lot of a lot of brands that we're seeing the outdoor researches of the world are a good example um, that are that are coming to market with a, with an e-commerce uh, rollout, um, knowing that they have a large retail partnership and a large retail presence uh, to compete with is a decision that a lot of brands have been making. And it seems like every year at the trade show, um, you know, we're seeing yet another brand come to market with their own e-commerce platform. Um, so I think that's, you know, when we look at our industry and the growth that we've seen on the digital side, it has been been fueled in a, in a, in a large majority by e-commerce and by the ability just to create uh, a larger, you know, just, a, you know, a, a larger sales platform for the brand itself. Um, I think, you know, the, 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 the sentiment towards outdoor being small or outdoor being, you know, not having the deeper pockets, um, you know, is definitely valid. Um, I think, you know, outdoor is, is typically, you know, a little bit behind some of the more progressive uh, industry that, that you might be speaking towards um, in regards to entertainment or in regards to, you know, high high volume, high volume sale industry. Um, but that being said, I think the, the amount of time people spend online is with this, this kind of, this connection that they have with something like an outdoor brand or, or, or a story that's being told that has uh, a tie into a particular passion, whether it's hiking or running or, or mountain biking, or, you know, some of the content that's being that's being created in this kind of more long form, long form or long story format, um, I think is consuming so much time on, on, in people's news feeds. And, and it's really becoming, you know, what people are really appreciating when it comes to the content being published. So, so that being said, it's, it's kind of a weird uh, or a little bit of a strange uh, balance in that, you know, these outdoor brands that might be looked at as small and, and not having, you know, huge, huge budgets um, are also the ones that are creating the content and the experience that people are spending the most time with. Yeah, I think that 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 really solidifies the age old riches in the niches expression. And, you know, the other thing that I think that is really, really important, what you said is that you're taking you're taking a winning model and just applying it to a, a brand or a niche or or a set of criteria that that someone might have. And so, for example, someone may become the latest snowboard glove company. I mean, that's one, just a random example, but they start to build a brand, they start to build a community, and then you can help, you can walk in and say, hey, look, you, you can have all these new tools that you can essentially bolt on to this, this brand that you're building. We can help you on all levels of this, but then, it be, then your brand can now be sustainable, it can be a business, and you can serve your, your customers uh, way better than you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that conversation of how do you serve your customers is is what's really interesting right now. And I think you know to to your space, mobile being specific to what's changing the the expectation at the customer level. Um, and we do a lot of B two C, um, and we don't you know, and, and that's kind of fun for us because 
you know, it, it takes our, our position as, you know, it's, it's our duty and it's our goal to, to create something that our client's client or our client's customer is going to appreciate. And, and that, that being said is, is how do we understand different pillars of, of marketing when it comes to digital is specific to um, accessibility, um, it's specific to uh, the ability to, uh, to engage uh, and interact with content or with, within message. Um, and a lot of that is, is pointing back to mobile quite frequently. And I think we're, you know, we're in a position where, you know, the question that, that's being pitched at the board level is, you know, what is your mobile strategy, um, you know, is, is interesting. And, and oftentimes it's met with a bit of a blank stare. Um, and sometimes it's met with a, with a, you know, an explanation of an app or, or of, a, of a responsive website that's been just recently launched. And I think that's all valid. Um, but I think as the customer evolves and as their tendency and, and, and reliability or reliance towards mobile is only going to increase, um, we're going to see so much more play in that space. Um, and I'm sure that's kind of where you guys are seeing, you know, so much opportunity as well. Exactly. I remember when I, when I first left my job at the startup to go be an idiot and start my own company, uh, I... <laughs> I thought I was going to be able to go and sell email marketing services in Portland, Maine. This is in 2010. And uh, anyone who knows 2010 and also has been to Portland, Maine, there it was complete crickets when I'd say when I'd ask some a small business what's your email marketing look like, they would be like, uh, I don't know what the internet is. <laughs> and you know, it's it's interesting to see that now with with mobile or with apps where I think anyone in tech or anyone in the mobile world might may may say, "Hey, do you have an app? Or are you thinking about apps? Or are you thinking about mobile?" As a very normal piece of the pie, if not the primary piece of the pie, but I would say a majority of business owners that I talk to are just like, "Uh, you know, the app store, or whatever. I don't need to be in that." Or like, you know, mobile website. You know, they'll figure it out on their own phone and. It's just not the case anymore. It's just it's changing so so quickly, which is why I think the internet. The internet marketing world and the mobile marketing world need to start talking to each other a lot more because this is all going to become one conversation sooner than we think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's an that's an excellent point in, in regards to the two worlds colliding. And you know, it, it, the, the the kind of the line has been blurred so greatly that it's oftentimes you know you're not sure. You know, it's 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 going to be a point, and maybe we've already seen this happen, where the the tendency to Google something and get a an app listing or a result for an app or get a website results are about the same at this point. You know, we can optimize our apps, we can optimize our websites for full Google indexing regardless, right? Um, so so at this point, you know, we know that 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 the consumer is still relying on Facebook, on Google, on Twitter to find content and to find that kind of initial entry point to your product or to your website. Um, and I think you know what what's being displayed to them um, is is kind of up to the brand or up to the business as to is my experience better presented or or is this is this problem better solved in in a native app um, or is this better solved on a website that that might be you know a responsive design? Um, I think that 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 conversation is probably different for everyone. Um, and it's, it's specific to things like budget and specific to things like technical limitations or certain requirements that you might have for your business logic. But the, the user is clearly not not going to wait any longer for, for you to make a decision. They're just going to go and they're going to find what works best for them in that moment in time. Um, and so with that being said, you know, we're definitely at a point where, you know, for some of our clients, um, the destination travel industry 
specific, um, it's, it's very apparent and it's, it's very conscious that we design and build um, certain, certain tools or certain content types that are most predominantly consumed via mobile. And that's kind of the more that's kind of in the moment content where someone might be, you know, in, on location in Aspen looking to, you know, get dinner or to find a, a, a tune shop um, that they can, can drop their skis off at the end of the day. Um, and they're doing this all in the gondola via their phone. Um, but we know that you know they're planning that that trip, initial planning, the booking of that trip, most likely happen on the desktop experience. So so there's definitely a differentiation between how we're approaching the architecture of of that type of content to be more robust at desktop versus what's more robust and what's more of a utility at mobile. Um, and I think you know that 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 probably speaks to a lot of a lot of folks listening here is that. Um, there's not always going to be a reliance on an app. You know, we don't always need to go that route, but we need to really kind of hammer out a mobile strategy that fits best, um, and that's going to really return what you're what you're attempting to bring back, um, whether it's transaction or or acquisition um, or just purely consumption. Um, I mean, I think oftentimes a lot of content is just looked at as just being impressions and page views, but if you look a little bit deeper, um, you know, consumption metrics are incredibly interesting in regards to. What are people really spending time with, and how are they using that um, as the, in their next next uh, phase in, in kind of your, your giving life cycle or something like that? Mm. I love that. I love that idea, and I, I think that when I see mobile apps now, uh, as opposed to two years ago, I'm, I see it like you said, it's an extension of something, and we're that's a that's a harder concept for uh, on the indie level because it requires partnerships, it requires businesses, everything else, but you know, apps can just do things that certain that mobile, like that mobile websites can't, and more importantly, user expectations on a native app are different than a mobile than a mobile website. Uh, the the usage and engagement about that, uh, and I think that that is probably a good a good way to segue into Snow Crew and and your experience with Snow Crew. So, for anyone out there, can you give a, just an overview of what Snow Crew is, and we'll get into how it came to be. Yeah, uh, so, so Snow Crew is a, a ski and snowboard uh, app that allows users to track their day while skiing or snowboarding, but, but really more importantly, it allows users to connect with one another while they're on the mountain um, and and really kind of extending that social element of, of being friends and having these connections uh, with, with users um, and putting it into the context of your actual ski day. Um, and so the technology was built by Ed Lewis out of Park City, uh, Ed and I. I think we're separated at birth. Um, we are definitely um, of the same cloth in a lot of ways, and have a very similar, you know, mentality towards what what problems we're trying to solve here. And so, when we were introduced to to Ed and Snow Crew about three years ago, um, there was a clear need and a clear opportunity in the snow sports industry for a tool or utility like Snow Crew to take what you are doing on Facebook, to take what you are using um, on your GPS app and bring those two together and then give you a little bit more, you know, allow you to start, you know, earning a little sense of recognition, you know, unlocking badges, winning accomplishments, uh, challenging your friends. And that was kind of where we saw all the obvious um, app uh, experience growing towards. And so, you know, phase, phase one was was very much based on the idea of crew and, and, and building crew so that you could identify, you know, hey, Carter, are you going to be on Aspen today? When I get there in the morning, I could basically load up Snow Crew and I could see whether or not you've checked in or if you're on location, I can see your, you know, your location in real time. Um, or we could, you know, use it as a tool to chat. We could use it as a tool to compete against each other. Um, and so at the time, I think it was pretty innovative and, and has, you know, has continued to to 
you know, evolved the technology, uh, has continued to evolve the interface, the design, and the entire experience um, over the past few years. So, so when we kind of became involved with Snow Crew, it was, you know, at a moment where we had, you know, we, we were seeing audience growth. Uh, I'd say critical mass was, was had, had been reached at around 50,000 users. Um, and I think there was just kind of scratching the surface there in terms of what we could really, you know, really do with with the tool. And and it was very regional. You know, Ed uh, based uh, in Park City. I was in Aspen. Um, we were seeing a lot of growth coming from both ski communities. Um, but that, you know. But those are the only two games in town. You know, there's there's great skiing all over the country. And at the time, uh, the East Coast was having a phenomenal winter, um, followed by a really really dry winter. Um, but but unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, you know, there's there's skiers all over the place and and snowboarders. And so the the concept I think was 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 sound from day one. Um, it just has taken, you know, uh, years for us to kind of continue to tune this thing up to a point where it feels incredibly seamless and, and that the experience is something that you typically enjoy using, you know, where you turn it on in the morning, you can track your day um, and you can post that track to, to Facebook or to, to Instagram later on in the afternoon. Um, or you could just use it as a, as a tool to communicate, you know, and, and kind of get away from a, you know, an, an iMessage thread or, or a text thread that just, you know, is cumbersome and clunky and doesn't always work, you know, in terms of the way you want it to. So we, we've, we've really focused in on some of those components as to kind of our winning functionality. Um, and, you know, as Snow Crew has grown, we've definitely shifted our, our focus from organic growth to much more intent growth using, you know, user acquisition strategies and, and, and uh, install methods that, um, you know, are, are honestly touching on things that you guys talk about at Blue Cloud, you know, on a daily basis. Um, everything from modifying an ASO plan to, you know, to looking at uh, lifetime value. Um, you know, that recent post that just came out, was, I thought was spot on in so many different ways. And it's something that we're, we're constantly looking at. And I think, you know, anyone that's in this app world will, will start to really identify as, you know, one of the key drivers that will elevate a, elevate a business um, if, if, you're, you know, if you are running a business off an app. Yeah. I, one thing that you, t you touched on that I want I would love to hear more about is how did you know that there, this problem needed to be solved? I mean, obviously you guys are in ski communities and there's a lot of word of mouth, but how did you get to the point where you say this is a problem that needs to be solved on a big enough level that we can make an app and or a business for it? <laughs> You know, at the time, there was there was one app in the marketplace at the time that was doing the same, that was doing similar technology in terms of tracking, run tracking, so using GPS overlaid with a ski resort. Um, and so we felt like there was, you know, there's already one one person to the game in the game, um, but what was missing was the social component. And I think that, you know, as social was becoming such a hot item and and such a widely used item at the time, and this is before Facebook app or Facebook Messenger came out, you know, we, we thought that there was an obvious extension there, and and if, if we knew that there was an audience of three million skiers in the country, that there would be clearly a, you know adoption, and that there would be you know a, there would be room in someone's pocket for something like Snow Crew. Um, so there was a there was a bit of a uh, a chance, but there was also you know, I think a calculated chance as to the the expected growth, the expected usage or adoption that we would that we would likely see in the first few years. Um, and I think that was what what at least you know and, and again Ed would would be more in line with that with that question. But you know from what my perspective. Um, that that's definitely paid itself off in terms of the growth. You know, we just reached over 100,000 active users. You know, we're starting to see you know um, 
snow crew uh, adoption in Japan, in Europe, and South America, definitely been seeing a lot of Australian and New Zealand over the past couple of seasons. So, so it seems like it's something that's not just for, you know, the States. It's a tool that can be used, you know, anyone that's skiing or riding, um, you know, I think finds value in that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I mean, it's one of those things that, not that I ski uh, nearly as much as anyone else, but when people start using an app like Snow Crew, they're, they get it, right? Like they're hooked. It, there's some, there's a little bit of competition to it, but it's also just this awesome way to track what you're doing. And anyone who's in, uh, you know, kind of in the running world, but definitely in the cycling world, will will see that there's a certain type of, of person that just loves tracking what they're doing and then sharing it with other people and, and be, having a place to, to post it and uh, I think Snow Crew like just solves that problem very well, and they, the social component brings a brings a different piece to it. So when you when you met Ed or when you heard about Snow Crew, and as this has progressed, what did you bring to the table, and what did Ed bring, and then were there any other pieces or other people that combined to to get to that hundred thousand active users? Yeah, there's been a team um, along the way. You know, there's been a development team that's. That has you know changed hands um, in, in in kind of in the midst of a re, a replatforming um, that's been a huge uh, advantage in regards to to uh, the technology requirements and, and just kind of our overall backend logic to to have a more seamless a little bit more a, a more powerful uh, and powerful by I mean by you know faster more reliable kind of a more 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 consistent experience. Um, there's been a, a design team that's been, you know, very, very involved in regards to defining the the look, the feel, the tonality within Snow Crew that continues to kind of push it into, you know, what I would consider a best-in-class app. Um, there's been Black Dog running marketing and really trying to champion more than just the app, but really create a brand and, and create a story that's happening beyond the app itself. And I think that's something worth mentioning as well is that Snow Crew, you know, as an app is is clearly, you know, you can find it in the App Store, you can find it in Google Play, you can download it and you can kind of move on. But there's also um, a much larger footprint right now that Snow Crew carries beyond just the app. And, and that comes with our content strategy, that comes with our ability to, you know, have active and, and really positive engagement through email, through blog, um, and through our, you know, even having a store now where there's product and there's, you know, you know apparel being launched on a, what seems to be quarter basis um, that people are, are truly buying and, and they're following along with. Um, so I think, you know, Ed has built a, a pretty awesome team of, of, uh, of like-minded people and, and agencies that can really kind of work and collaborate to, to build the best product possible. Um, and so that's been, you know, that's kind of been, I think, where a lot of the strength has, has grown to kind of reach that recent critical mass of 100,000 um, has been kind of seeing all of our strengths really start to work together. Um, and, you know, and just and constantly, you know, refining and, and changing um methods that that work and, and some that don't work and, and and I think the any you know and, and you know anytime we're working on kind of a more of a business level um, strategy it's it's important to identify you know what partners can move the needle for you whether it's a network whether it's a um, a platform like Facebook or, or Google and using their tools to your advantage or having um, you know a kind of inside knowledge when it comes to you know ways that we can really maximize video um, to to increase install um, but but really I think it, it's kind of like looking at um, you know how the team can play each role um, and, and and you know making sure that you know 
when you see something that's not working, you're, you don't hesitate to back off of it. You don't hesitate to turn the cards and fold them. Um, and I think, you know, if you get stuck trying to trying to operate a strategy or operate a method that, that just is not returning what you were expecting it to return, um, you're going to lose. You're going to lose big. It's going to hurt and it's going to sting and you're going to have to learn that mistake. And, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that may have happened early on in the snow crew days is that we made some mistakes. We, you know, we, we went a, a route that just did not perform to the expectation. And, and, you know, now it's at a point where if something is not meeting a goal within a set amount of time, um, there's an immediate assumption that we will back away. We will, we will shift dollars or we will shift efforts to something else that is working and we'll come back to that later on. Um, and so that's been, you know, I think from our experience, it's, it's something that, you know, I think every entrepreneur will, will agree with, um, whether they find that on their own or if they have someone that tells them that is that, you know, you need to be willing and, and confident to say, okay, this strategy just hasn't been working. You know, our acquisition goal of this, um, is not, we're not on track or, or we're overpaying. Um, you know, we're, Obviously, you can't be overpaying for for install if if your margin is thin or if you're if you're right like you mentioned your lifetime value is is slim. Um, you just need to be a little bit more disciplined with with that structure. And so that's a lot of what Black Dog has been involved with is just kind of creating discipline and creating a little bit more of a, a structure around how we are we going to kind of move these 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 drivers these these acquisition drivers or these performance based drivers um, and which ones are we going to feel comfortable walking away from? One thing that. You know, hearing what you're saying, it's 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 really connecting. Is this idea that a lot of people think that you should build these big marketing platforms or even the brands uh, purely for growth, right? They think, oh, I need an email list, I need a Facebook page, I need a website because it's going to make my app bigger. But in reality, maybe the more important or more valuable component of that is that it gives you redundancy in your business. Right? If the algorithm changes, you still have an email list. You still have a retargeting pixel. You still have the ability to, to work with all these users that you work so hard to get, and you don't necessarily need to rely on one marketing channel like ASO or you know internal Facebook ads or something like that. Can you elaborate a little bit on what marketing tools or what pieces of that brand exist? Like, do you have a marketing an email list? Is there Facebook involved? Is it Twitter involved? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so the audience uh, is is the the marketing, uh, I guess, central housing unit, if you will, is really built on our email, um, built on our on our audience, um, and that's purely based on people that that install and and that subscribe to to Snow Crew. Um, Beyond that, you know, we have a content extension on our blog that's kind of running the running the tone, running the voice of a lot of what we do, and a lot of that content is is more built, more suited for social. Um, you know, it's content that is uh, we kind of refer to as perishable content, something that might sit in a newsfeed for a day, and then after that, you know, we're kind of on something else. Um, and and we also have um, you know our in-app content, and that's content that is things like you know. Um, that is uh, specific to um, you know the resort, um, specific to the, the, the user profile. So we audience as being the thrill you know, have the central housing unit. But but beyond that, you know we look at key platforms as as Facebook, as Google, and, and Instagram. And I think you know there's a huge huge opportunity in the, in the short future to to really start to build out more on, on Snapchat um, and finding new ways to to tell a more unique story over there. But as we run these platforms, you're right, there is a lot of redundancy built into it, and there's a lot of opportunity for us to create new message, create um, different narrative. Uh, 
within our audience. Um, and uh, and I think you know having that redundancy, having that backup built into it is really important. Um, we we've exposed, uh, we've leveraged, if you will, the the advertising units for each of those platforms, and we definitely have refined what's worked and what hasn't worked. And as we see. Different products launched for for Facebook uh, mobile, for for Twitter mobile, for the, the Google pay-per-click mobile units, the, the app product ads. Um, we're starting to see you know things that are working well. We're starting to see kind of our, our average cost per install really start to mellow out. Uh, and and with that data, we can then start to decide on which ones are going to be winners and which ones are going to be losers um, moving forward into the next. Season. So is it safe to say that the app store? Uh, and the you know the CPI campaigns that you're running into the App Store is the primary lead generation, and then the email and the social and everything else on that side is more of the the customer relationship side of the business. Is that fair fair to say? Um, I think it is fair. I think there's still a caveat that that always exists in that um, the existing functionality, which which in some cases is an upsell, in some cases it's just. Uh, um, that we're trying to play, um, or, or oftentimes we're, we're building out brand advocacy within some of our use. Um, we are using social and still using email um, to, to, to really kind of help us with that. Um, so, you know, the, the ASO piece, I think, has probably been the hardest nut to crack, and that the consistency, or maybe I should say inconsistency, what we feel, you know, makes up ASO, you know, has, has given us some pause and, and has allowed us to, you know, continue to build out what we think is just the best product possible in this space. Uh, we feel like our brand and our product is, 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 is far superior to the competitors. Um, and we feel that as we start to build out new product for things like Apple Watch, we rolled out with Pebble. Um, we're building out new touch points to make the app feel a little bit more, more uh, exciting. That, that naturally will be rewarded within, you know, just a higher install rate, within a higher engagement rate. Uh, we want to continue this mentality of bringing people back for more. Um, and I think if you kind of build, you know, that, that kind of being said, I think building something that is meant to bring people back for more, um, we want, you know, we want a higher, uh, higher daily usage, if you will. Um, then, then you, that will be rewarded within a ranking, or it will be rewarded within exposure, um, because it's the user that's going to drive that, right? It's going to be, you know, the people have spoken, if you will, and that's the, the, you know, the classic case of the, the democratization of the web is that, you know, things that are chosen are oftentimes the best product because the people have, have, have spoken for it, and so that's kind of what our, you know, I think a lot of times what our goal is is that, you know, what can we build that's going to be just drop dead awesome. Um, what are we going to build that's going to get people psyched um, and to use it in a different way? Um, and with that being said, you know there will be a moment where where we'll see that tipping point where we eke out yet another keyword rank or we eke out yet another search rank. Um, and I think that's kind of part of part of the game. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's right on. I think that in in any new emerging market, there are so many unknowns, and there will continue to be unknowns about you know marketing or advertising or branding or whatever, but what the fundamentals of you have to have a great product that solves a clear problem, that will never change. And I think that if you if that, that remains the core of the business, the the marketing and the platforms and all that can evolve very quickly as long as the product uh, maintains that integrity. John, well, so this has been awesome. And I think this has been like really helpful for uh, I you know not only for me, but I think there's a lot of people out there that will get a lot out of this. And how can people get in touch with you? You know, if they want to check out more about Black Dog or anything, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, you can uh, you can shoot me a line on uh, on Twitter at uh, at Jonathan Georger. 
um, you can you can hit me up at blackdog at blkdg.com. Um, yeah, or, or just go ahead and post my credential here on the on the podcast. And uh, yeah, happy to to chat with uh, with anyone out there in the blue cloud space. Um, you know, love the community. Uh, we're constantly kind of checking back in on some of the tools that you guys are launching. So so we're we're believers. You know, we're customers as well. So I think that's cool. Very cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and. This is a super cool perspective on on mobile apps and just on on the marketing world and to hear your story. I'll post everything in the show notes, all the links and everything for everybody. But uh, John, thank you so much for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Sounds good, CT. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. This has been another episode of the Blue Cloud Podcast. For more information on app development, eBooks, reliable source codes, and more, expand your mobile knowledge by going to bluecloudsolutions.com.